Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Jenny Froome with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Jenny, how are we doing? Hi, we're doing really well. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you as well. I've, I've enjoyed uh, tracking your exploits here through the <laughs> end of 2021 with family and, and beyond. I know we're all excited about a, uh, a really a better year for all in 2022. So on today's episode, Jenny, uh, one of the things we've really enjoyed doing is working with you and the SAPIX team on this supply chain leadership across Africa series, had some home run guests, and we're going to continue that today, aren't we, Jenny? Starting the year off with one of my favorites. Wonderful. And hey, if it's one of Jenny Froome's favorites, you know we can't go wrong. So quick mm -hmm. reminder, Jenny Froome serves as COO of SAPIX, which is doing wonderful work from a professional development and networking standpoint. So check them out at SAPIX, S-A-P-I-C-S dot org. Okay, so speaking of one of Jenny Froome's favorites, try to say that three times fast, Jenny Froome's <laughs> favorites. Uh, we have an incredible guest joining us today. Join me in welcoming Azuka Akeke, CEO of the Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management. Azuka, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Scott. Thank you for having me on the show. And thank you, Jenny. You're one of my favorites, too. <laughs> that is, that is what, a, uh, what a compliment to start the show off with. Well, Azuka, we've been tracking you a little bit, you know, uh, and then we got with Jenny. And, and uh, of course, your ears have been burning. We're, we're all big fans of the work that you're doing. And I'm really excited to share a little bit of that here today on Supply Chain Now. But before we do that, Let's get to know Azuka a little bit better from a from a human standpoint. So tell us, Azuka, where did you grow up, and give us you know give us the goods on your upbringing a little bit. Okay, <laughs> well, I grew up in Nigeria. I'm from Nigeria. I'm from the eastern part of Nigeria. They call us the Igbo, um, a tribe in the southeastern part of Nigeria. Um, I, I was born in one of the cities there, um, and. All my nursery, primary, secondary, university in one state. So then wow. I, I got married in that state. So after a while, I said to myself, I think I've expired in this state. So, <laughs> so I kind of like moved. But all my growing and settling in, you know, as a mother and all was in one state in Nigeria before I left and moved and started hovering around the whole city in Nigeria. Right. Yeah. Well, so before, uh, cause I want to find out where you, where you live today, but you know, growing up in that, in that one city, that one state, whether it's food, whether it's stuff you did outside of, of school, what was, what was something you really uh, identify with as part of your childhood or upbringing? It was, I think the city I grew up in, it's called Enugu. Um, it's on a hill and it's quite hilly. So one of the things I enjoyed, you know, during that period was I used to take long walks. I could, I never liked transportation. I would walk from <laughs> like hours everywhere you ask me to go. I would rather walk than, you know, take a enter transport system. So because 
all along the road, you see trees, you will be climbing up, going down. So it was always fun. So it's something that I miss now where I stay in uh, because I do like taking long walks and I grew up doing that. Yeah. I love it. That, that, that just, just hearing you share that uh, uh, helps my mental state of mind, Jenny. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so one final question, and, and, then, and then, Jenny, I might ask both of y'all about this traveling question, but one final question. Azuka, where do you live now? What's home now? Ah, I'm in Lagos, the maddest city in Nigeria. <laughs> so you can understand. Um, it's, um, I, I mean, from census, it says we have 23 million people living in this small city, very wow. small mass. Um, it's highly populated, but it's the energy space in Nigeria. If you're in Lagos, we never sleep. So 24 hours of busy, busy, busy. So it's, it's a far run from, uh, from where I grew up, but it's, it's where it's happening in Nigeria. Though. Evidently. Now, yeah. did my ears fail me or did you say 23 million people? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so well, we've got plenty of good stuff to talk about when it comes to supply chains in with, with that kind of uh, uh, vibrant okay. community. Yes. All right. So one final question before I pass the baton to my dear friend, Jenny Froome, you know, I have heard our scout team has been tracking you and, and we hear that you're prior to these crazy times. Now you traveled all the time, traveled a lot. So Azuka, what's been one you know, it's tough to always pick a favorite, but what's one of your favorite places to visit? And maybe you'll get back out once we get through the, you know, the pandemic. What's one of your favorite places to visit and why? I visited one um, city one time in um, the Netherlands. It's called Volendam. It's, uh, it's so beautiful because it's, it's kind of like a village. It's not a city. And because um, I do take walks. Anywhere I go, I always look for the track to walk. All through the road, you see beautiful flowers. You see the dams and the, you know, the farmyard. And it's just one of the most beautiful places I've ever visited. So for me, Volendam, yes, is one of my most favorite. Wonderful. Now, you know that you're going to have to send us some pictures when you get back out <laughs> and you're taking these beautiful walks. Uh, otherwise, it didn't happen, as I hear my kids tell me. So uh, thank you. <laughs> thanks for sharing, Azuka. Jenny, yeah. uh, I want to pose the same question to you, and then we can, we can move right into you know, kind of learn more about her professional journey. But Jenny, what's one of your favorite places to visit? Oh, my gosh, that's such a humongous question. I, by the time I was 11, I'd lived in seven different countries. So I've sort of been to, I've been very lucky to live and visit so many different countries. Right at the moment, I have a real yearning to go to Thailand. Um, I think it's one of the places that I enjoy and relax the most and have met such amazing, gentle, welcoming people. But anywhere right now, anywhere I would like to travel to, I'll get on that plane and I'll be there. So Azuka and I, I think, first met in Benin and then we met officially properly in Chicago. So our relationship is an international one as well. Jenny, I think before Chicago, just sorry, Scott, we met in Dubai, one conference. Oh, we met in Dubai. That's right. As well. You you, You came to me and you said, you know, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. We'll just be listening to you. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah. doesn't matter what you say. We'll just listen to Azuka because the way in which she says it is just so passionate. 
you have to you want to listen to what it is well there's quite a vibe also just in a little bit of time we spent i've heard about the passion that comes that comes ahead of you ahead of our, our conversation today but the vibe and the positivity and from what i understand a ton of expertise so Let's dive, let's get more into that. So Jenny, I think we're going to talk yeah. first about kind of what Azuka has been doing previous to now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we obviously are going to move on to what you're doing now, but so much of what you've done previously has led you to this place where you are now. And what what would you say are a couple of roles or, or experiences that have really shaped A, your worldview, but also encouraged you to get to the point that you are today? I think um, that's a very deep question because I've done so many things and everything kind of counts and has shaped how I see things. But I think one one thing that I would say along the line that has kind of shaped who I am now based on my journey before is the fact, I always like to tell people, the fact that in my career, I started from the very last mile you know i started working at the a clinic in a in an underserved community and where i had to take care of our, my clients that uh, were taking um, antiretrovirals so those that are living with hiv and um, hiv and aids so having to work with them and having to convince them or encourage them to keep taking their medicine, building relationships, you know, in that small clinic. And it, it turned out that even before we set up a therapeutic unit that before any patient would be put on medication, they would have to consult me because of the, I would say the passion I had working with clients to make sure that they start their treatment, understanding when they stop their treatment and having that empathy to know that, you know, it's a difficult journey. That actually shaped even my thinking process at the very, you know, at this leadership position. So when I'm making decisions, um, when I'm, I'm trying to convince the country, I'm coming from the angle that I know these clients, I know the people we're, we're talking about. I have an understanding of even their family issues and how challenging it is to come to pick up your medicines. So I think that really, that experience, starting from that very lower end, really has mm -hmm. helped all through my journey to this point. And, and presumably also then ignited uh, an interest in the how the medication got to the last mile, et cetera, et cetera. So they're in the segue right into what it is that, that the Africa Resource Center for Supply Chain Excellence in Nigeria is actually all about. Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously we've I've watched this progression and I've watched you as a leader and, you know, the series is all about leaders in Africa. And for me, you are an epitome of, of that because of your desire to see people succeed and people be educated and the professionalization of supply chain management. All of that that you believe in is coming through loud and clear through the organization. So as a, in your role as CEO, where do you find currently you're kind of spending most of your time and, and, and how are you guiding all these initiatives forward? 
Most, I mean, um, if you if you ask me, before I even became a CEO, my primary goal was to educate the nation. You know, when I got into the leadership position, um, um, you know, in ARC, when I was told to come and help the ARC, because before then my my focus was um, public private collaboration in in all areas of health. That was what I was doing. But they told me to come and do this for ARC because, but it's speaking to supply chain. And you know what I said the first time, because I had done supply chain along the line in our own way. I said, oh, supply chain is boring. (laughs) Azuka, hey, really quick. (laughs) When you say the ARC, are you talking about Africa Resource Center? Is that right? Yes. Just to connect with folks. Okay, I got you. So the Africa Resource Center, because the, the ARC is an initiative that was set up across multiple countries. So I was told to come and help set up the one in Nigeria. And I said, oh, what was this act? And they said, oh, it has to do with supply chain. We just want you to bring in this, your your expertise in public-private partnerships, you know, to supply chain. I said, oh, supply chain is boring. I've done it before, you know. (laughs) But then, you know, but when having, coming to the act, you know, trying to answer Jenny's question, I realized, okay, let's, let's get into this supply chain business with government and how we facilitate the relationships. And I realized that um, in, in Africa and even more, more so in Nigeria, where we thought we had people that had the background in supply chain, understood supply chain to make the decision because it is what you understand that you can then make an informed decision. Mm. It was clear that we had a lot of people in government that didn't even know the difference between logistics and supply chain. And they were in places of leadership. So it was then obvious that we were in what we were seeing the problems, not because people were not willing to, you know, make the right decisions, just that people didn't really know what decisions to make. So one of the things I did was really to make, I, I always call it make a lot of noise that we need to build internal capacity. We need to bring in resources to do that. And I'm happy that that really engendered a lot of, you know, investment. Now, where I sit, my focus, because good thing, CPIX is here, ASCM, a lot of folks are in the continent and really trying to strengthen, you know, we have the Kaizen Institute, so many people, Kune Foundation. So I think we've laid the foundation and then it's now for more investments to strengthen education and research. My focus now as CEO really is now to re, you know, redirect the, the, the government in Nigeria to now start investing in local manufacturing. For me, local manufacturing of pharmaceuticals, of medicines is now the key um, in public health issue because of what we saw with COVID pandemic and in the, in the continent. We were not looking at it before, we were only looking at distribution, but now, that is what I'm looking at now. How do we actually have these medicines available in the continent? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was a presentation that you did last year, well, two years ago now, where you, you mentioned the appalling percentage of, of pharmaceuticals that are actually manufactured on the continent. I think it was 3%. I can't remember if it was even that high. But that was a real eye-opener for me. And I, you know, I just think that how many of us don't understand the, the, the lack of local manufacturing. Um, and I think that, you, you know, this, this work that you're setting out to do is of, of huge importance. 
Um, and again, you know, it goes back to that whole thing about how 90% of what we do or did do before the silver lining that COVID brought was that educating people about what supply chain management actually is. And now we don't need to do that. We can actually launch into a conversation and use supply chain management without people glazing over because they mm-hmm. understand the importance of it. So, yes. you know, we, we, we look for small positives these days, but that's actually one of them. That's right. Yeah. Really quick, Jen, Sorry, if I can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know you're about to ask her her eureka moment, but two quick things. First off, I love that make a lot of noise, a mantra mm-hmm. that you've mentioned. I love that. I'm going to blatantly steal that. We've got our episode title now, Make a Lot of Noise with Azuka. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but secondly, I love how you know supply chain is boring. You know, that's one of our podcasts here. That's, that's We've heard that phrase a lot. And I think we all long for the days few years back where supply chains truly were boring, right? Because there wasn't quite as many curveballs as there are now, but nevertheless, the silver lining is we're going to be better as an industry based on the challenges and how we've had to overcome continuing how to overcome and innovate and do things better and stronger. And what I love, what I heard you say, Azuka, is identify these, these long held, these, these ecosystem challenges and address that. So bring manufacturing production to the continent to gain some more things within our control, which is really important. So, uh, so much there, but I, I really appreciate what you shared. Okay. So Jenny, now that I've joined the Azuka OKK fan club, along with you officially, <laughs> we're talking Eureka moments, right? I don't charge much. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, yeah, exactly. So in everything that you've done and from the, the sort of, you know, from where you've started to where you are now and in your current role and with the current trajectory of, of the, of the center of excellence, um, then w- what's been a real eureka moment for you? Something that has really stood up, stood out for you and made you think? I think um, two things, not necessarily one. But the first one, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when we started this journey, my goal was to get the leaders in Nigeria and also across Africa to even understand that you guys are not supply, you know, they will say, we are supply chain experts, you know, you'll be having meetings in Nigeria and they'll tell you, oh, we're going to export supply chain talent across Africa. I'm like, what? (laughs) Do you know what supply chain management is? And, you know, having to, you know, being cautious of, um, I was initially rejected. A lot of agencies, they didn't want to do anything with ARC-ESM because I was pushing this mandate. I was saying, we need to get the right certifications. We need to get the right education. We need to have universities begin to teach people and give you proper degrees. And many agencies didn't want to hear that. They pushed me out of their meetings. So I, I remember one Eureka moment was when I, I, um, I was able to convince um, BMGF. And this is true, Jennifer. It's not because of you. I was able to convince BMGF. I said, okay, Tom, you need to get um, some of these leaders to say PICS conference in South Africa. Why? Because I had attended the APEX conference in Chicago and I said to myself, wow, there is a huge difference. We don't do supply chain in Nigeria. So Tom agreed and ASCM brought some folks and they attended the conference. When they got back to Nigeria, I was just entering my office and I received a call. 
and uh, it was uh, pharmacist Linus. And he said to me, I want to say something to you. I said, okay, go ahead, sir. He said, you know, I used to say we knew supply chain. I said, yes. I said, I attended this conference and I want to say thank you. I said, okay. He said, now I know I don't know anything. <laughs> he said, now I know. After years of calling himself a supply chain expert, he says, now I know I don't know supply chain. Yeah. For me, I was like, yes, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So that one, it, it, was, um, it was good. The second one is coming into, um, when we I was really getting into it, working so hard in the country and doing the right things and writing the right reports, sending it. I remember, I don't know if you know Prashant Yada. I had a meeting with Prashant and he was in, uh, he had invited me to come for a course in Harvard. So we're having like just sitting out and talking. And I think we were talking and then after talking, he said, I said, what do you mean my, by my voice? He said, Whatever you're doing, nobody knows it. You're doing a great job, but you've got to find a way to communicate that. It, it was a strange thing, but then I went back and I, I started looking, well, how do I find my voice? And that was how the noise began. It wasn't meant to be noise. It was meant to say, well, this is what the country is doing and I'll put it out there in Twitter, I'll put it out there in LinkedIn. You know what was the Eureka moment? People tried to shut me down. They said, oh, no, no, no. Why are you talking? Stop, stop posting. You're trying to, I'm like, no, say the good things happening. It's not always about the challenges. Any milestone, bring it out there. So for me is the fact that I needed that statement, find your voice was an moment. What does that mean? Yes. Love that. You know, there, there are so many challenges in this day and age. There's always been challenges in the supply chain, right? There just hasn't, it hasn't had as much attention as it has now but to your point azuka if we sit back and we talk about how big that problem is and gosh what are we going to do nothing will ever get done so i love your you know your key point there on your second eureka moment so we've got to move right along i want to ask really quick because i want to get to your thoughts and you and jenny thoughts on the supply chain ecosystem in nigeria but you know as you established and as we've done our homework on you You've got a lot of expertise in creating very successful private sector, public sector collaborations, right? And uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, big wins already there in, in those types of, of collaborations, but also a lot more opportunity. So speak to that a bit. What? Why are you really passionate about those types of collaborations and what kind of opportunity are you seeing there moving forward? Thank you very much. You know, the whole idea of having an a resource center was basically to, you know, in the whole, in the same ecosystem, you will see where government or the public sector is having challenges, maybe around distribution, but that same ecosystem, you see private sector thriving. So it was something that was always the drive is how do we leverage the strength? How do we bring in private sector for government to leverage and all that? But in, in that journey, it wasn't as simple as bring a company, you know, go to Johnson and Johnson and ask them for their expert to come teach government. That has never worked really. One of the things that we realized was um, the ecosystem has to exist whereby you look at the supply chain systems in Africa, 
they are at the what we would call highly immature, meaning that from the beginning of the plan to the end of the plan, you will need different private sector resources, even to the point of writing a proposal because of the limitations in expertise and experience within the private sector or within the public sector. So we looked at it from that angle and said, okay, this is a huge problem, but it is not something we can solve. One thing we need to do is not just to think of companies that will come and solve one problem because solving one problem will not give us the outcome we're trying to address. It's having a platform or platform structure where you have multiple companies coexist, you prepare them and you get them ready so that at any point that there is a need, the response time of collaboration is shortened. That is the part of it. Because remember that you are dealing with two institutions. If a government says, I need private sector resources, you've got to go to the private sector institution and it takes time. You will spend a lot of time writing concept notes, engaging the government. By the time you address that demand, that's like seven months and the government says, oh, we've done. <laughs> <laughs> That's reality. So one of the things you need to look at in one of the things that we it's not that people are not doing PPP. It's how do we make public-private sector collaborations in supply chain responsive? Because the, once there's a demand, you need to address it, or else we're going to have issues down the line. So what we thought of is setting up structured platforms, have companies, and that's where the opportunity lies. Companies and multiple companies, because supply chain problems does not necessarily need a supply chain solution. All right, all right. Say that a little bit louder for, yeah. for those in the back. That's a really <laughs> great point there. Say it again. Supply chain problems doesn't necessarily need a supply chain solution. So if you want to so solve a supply chain problem, you've got to have a whole gamut of solutions. If you have a, a, a solution that address, addresses one thing, you may not solve the end goal. That's just as mad as it is. So we have these platforms where we have companies that register and we not just register and keep them, we educate them in how to work with government, prepare them because that's very key. So that once there is a demand, our hope is to have a response time of collaboration of one week. Wow. And we've been achieving that. In some instances, we get a day collaboration and we sign a contract. Okay. So there's so much more there. I really appreciate you shedding light on that. You know, you know, uh, government must exist. Of course, the public sector must exist, the private sector. And there's so much that, that you're kind of alluding to that not just the government and public sector can learn from the private sector, but, but the sharing that each of those areas can learn from each other to get stuff done and to get stuff done in a timely manner. Right. And that's, that's yes. perhaps one of the biggest, man, when you, when you can really orchestrate that and get stuff done and, and, and move timeframes from seven months to a week, you know, seven days, yeah. uh, you've yeah. really, you've really done stuff, move mountains. So we'll have to have you back as you could talk more about yeah. the art of that orchestration. But Jenny, yeah. for now, mm -hmm. since we are talking about supply chain now and zeroing in on uh, this brilliant thought leader here that just so happens to be very active in Nigeria, wh what are we looking to learn from Azuka next? Yeah, so Azuka, obviously, for those people who haven't been to Nigeria, 
it's very hard to to understand the the, the constraints perhaps um, and the challenges that exist. So so from your perspective regarding the supply chain ecosystem in Nigeria, you've already alluded to the vast number of people that live in the country. What are the other challenges that come to mind that you can share with with us all? I think the greatest challenges we face uh, in Nigeria is the, I'll say the structural challenges. The structures are not, they don't exist literally in most areas. So, uh, and then it's it's quite a painful real, reality because of the amount invest, investments made in, in Nigeria. And um, that was, um, that's just one of the major ch- things that we've seen. And you know, in, Donor investments, the agreement has always been that donors would invest maybe in the commodities and also in providing technical assistance. The government, they were to put in the structures. They were to put in the right people, provide the right people that will be trained and have the infrastructure to, you know, to take it in institutionalized solutions. Um, Unfortunately, that part that the government was meant to do hasn't been done quite well. Not for the fact that, like I said, that it's not for the fact that they didn't want to do that. It's that we didn't really spend time with the donor investments to really find out the best way to do this and make sure there's proper buying. So for us, the major challenge now is how do you get everybody to say, stop, let's stop putting it in, putting in investments that won't really, really, um, I'll say that next Next year, you won't see what the investment has addressed. You know, we need to slow it down and begin a journey. I call it the journey to sustainability. It is not going to happen overnight because infrastructure, they are required. The right human resource structure is required. Having to tell the donors to hold off a bit, slow down a bit, don't be so quick to put that money. And having to tell the government, well, if you want the money, you've got to put down the structure. For me, that is the major, you know, the routes that, or the route, let me use the right, right frame, that we all need to take. That's the major challenge. It, it, it's not for this that we don't have donor money. If they keep coming, it's going to be down the, you know, the drain. That's really the reality. And for people like me that make a lot of noise, I have been making that noise. I said, stop putting money in the system. Don't come blaming the country. Don't put anything in the media that says, $24 million invested in Nigeria, then you don't know, no way you're not going to do that. So hold up, wait for direction, wait for the right policies in place, strategies in place, work plans. Let's go back to business principles that private sector have used. Use those and then begin to look at co-investments, not full investments, states that are willing to put cash on the table. I like to say cash because it's money on the table, then we start talking. Mm. So for me, Yes, that's where we're going. <laughs> All right. So, Jenny. And um, you're not going to argue with that, are you, Scott? No, no way. No, no, no. But, but I am going to pick on just a one of the things that she shared earlier in that answer is uh, the power of the timeout. Right. We, we, you know, we all get into the blocking and tackling and the firefighting and, and, and you know, the day in and day out, you know, but that's very powerful and simple gesture to keep in mind. Sometimes you got to say, OK, everybody stop. Stop what you're doing, right? You you hear that phrase, you know, flying the jet while we're building the jet. And, and, and you know, we do some of that. You got to do some of that sometimes. But to your point, Azuka, you know, if you don't, you know, folks 
and those donors you're speaking to are making these big investments and it's not set up to win, those investments won't, won't keep coming. And, and then the, the growth and the success and innovation and moving everything forward is not sustainable, right? So I love how you think that that power of the timeout is such a great eureka moment. I'm pulling away from this conversation, one of many. Okay, so you've spoken a little bit. And Jenny, I'm going to give you a chance based on what she shared there. What sticks out to you before I, I you know, move forward and, and ask her more broadly? Yeah, it's it's the whole, it goes back to that whole basis of accountability, doesn't it? I mean, it's like you can be given as much as you think you need, but until you're accountable for how you spend it or what you do with it, it's never going to be an effective solution. Yeah, well said. Well said. And a lot fewer words than I, you, you always do that, Jenny. You can pick those seven great words. <laughs> you don't need eight, just use seven. I love that. All right. So, uh, Azuka. Um, I really have enjoyed what you've shared already. We're going to have to have you back so we can expound more on some of this stuff. So when you look at the broader global supply chain, you know, these, these are, despite all the challenges and, and you know, um, there's not, there's been no shortage. It still has been a, an exceptional time to be in global supply chain, right? So in your words, and then from where you sit, what's a couple of things that are really front and center when it comes to topics in global supply chain? Uh, in your mind? Well, I think um, global supply chain is now one of the key things we're beginning to appreciate is the role of thought leaders, thought leadership. I think it's becoming more significant, though. Um, people that can look at things from that broad perspective and begin to look at you know, how they address it in context. So I think um, those are some of the wins, you know, despite the challenges of COVID. We, we now see the need to listen to one another to say, well, well what's happening in India? What's, what's going on over there in the US? And I think for me is also the fact that the pandemic has made us look at things globally more unlike before. It was more like this is an Africa problem. This is an Asia. Um, we have the funding coming from one direction. Now I'm interested in knowing how US is solving the COVID immunization, you know, what are the patterns? What are the challenges? So for me is right now where we, I think it's the learning, the opportunity to learn across continents, nations, we're all struggling with the same thing. And um, the, the, the variants and the COVID, they, they think they're smart, but I think they are making us smarter. It's sad, but then it's, it's, it's the reality. We, 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 we're having smarter people. We're having people looking at things more broadly, and we are coming to communities like this to share our, our thoughts. So for me, is thought leadership and opportunity to learn globally is really what's coming up forefront for me. Jenny, what, uh, your response to that? Yeah, it's the human relationships. I think it's that human contact that, that people are realizing that, you know, before it was all about your, your digitization and your technology, etc. But if you don't have the fundamental human input and elements and the collaboration, then, then it's a bit of a lost cause. And I think that that's something that's definitely come more and more and more to the fore. I agree with you. I agree with both of you. You know, there has been, a, we just, we, we have to harp on it all the time because when you're going through tough stretches, this has been a really tough stretch for all of us globally, to, to your point, Azuka. Sometimes you got to kind of focus on the gains you're still making, right? You got the, the innovation. You know, when I see, I see workforce safety 
which really has come in meaningful ways to the forefront. Uh, workforce flexibility, you know, the voice of the employee. These trends really were ex- uh, um, uh, amplified in the last couple of years. You know, I, I look at you know how supply chains are looking at some of the problems that became, were, were, were secondary forever, uh, mm-hmm. or at least for a long time. That now they're front and center. Their their priorities one A, B, and C, and it's changing. It's not just changing the the industry, but it's changing and presenting new opportunities for mm-hmm. folks globally, right? And, and on different levels. So I'm optimistic and it sounds like y'all are optimistic as well. When we get through the end of this stretch and we can at least say, at least say, not that COVID's going away, at least say the pandemic is over, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, but I think we can get there. You know, we're going to learn so much for generations to come from what we've been through these last few years. And that's a, that's a really good thing. And by the way, as we all can agree, the, the supply chain practitioner and the visibility of that profession and the opportunities and, and to some degree, the prestige of that, that's a great thing for bringing lots of talent everywhere into the industry. So whether it's in Africa, uh, North America, you name it, that, that's great for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. I was just going to add one yeah, thing please. that Greg White mentioned in an interview we did eons ago at the beginning of all of this. And he said, he hopes that the supply chain practitioner who's been shouting for that seat at the table is ready for the seat at the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's something else that, okay, so now we've got the attention on the profession. Now what? And that's mm-hmm. the critical point that I think maybe we've gone past the, the, the main point and everyone's really thinking about it. But I think that to your point, Scott, goes back to that opportunity. There is so much opportunity that's out there. Agreed to that point. So Azuka, I'd love to get your kind of your final thoughts before we make sure folks can know how to connect with you and the Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management. So Azuka, as we talk about, you know, what you shared there and kind of moving forward, good and bad, you know, what's your final thought in terms of um, the year that lays in front of us here? I think um, it's going to be an amazing 2022 for us in Nigeria. We have, um, I call it more responsive and responsible governments that are now beginning to adopt, um, you know, business practices in strengthening supply chains, particularly within the public health sector. What that means is that as we have more states in Nigeria come up with clear work plans and um, budgets, we then need to have the private sector in place. And just like what Jenny said, you know, the, her last statement is the challenges, the challenge we have is do we then have enough adequate prepared private sector to, you know, begin to collaborate? That is our greatest challenge right now. Mm. It's no longer the government. The government now understands what to do and they are going about it. Where are the local companies? Where are the um, global companies that have local footprints? We want to see more of them um, work with us or be in our platform. So for us, for the year to be a success, we really hope to have more um, um, private sector companies, academia, uh, institutions that provide education that are ready to work with our government. So for me, looking forward to more of that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And it needs, you know, uh, it needs great thought leaders that 
uh, are rooted in a bias for action, not just lip service. And and with between Azuka and Jenny and your respective organizations, that's what it takes. So I really admire y'all's lead, your 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 action focused leadership in that regard. Okay, so to that end, Azuka Okeke, CEO of the Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management, how can folks connect with you and learn more about your organization? Excellent. I'm always open to connecting with people. One is, um, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Azuka Okega, and I'm very visible. <laughs> so please, folks can connect with me directly via my LinkedIn, um, Azuka Okeke. Just go Azuka Okeke, you see me. And then also, I mean, Jenny has all my contact details. So I would also want people to reach out to Jenny. She knows how to, you know, I, I never say no to Jenny. I'm, I'm yet to get to the point. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone, and of course, I'm always willing to be in platforms where I can educate people about what we do, because we do want, um, you know, to use our time well this year, you know, in educating folks. So if there are platforms where we can talk about our work and where we are, definitely I'm interested. So if there's a company that wants to have like a mini presentation or something like that, I'm always willing. So I think I'm easy to connect with. Thank you. I love that, Azuka. And it's good to be easy to connect with. And that's how we help to create those free flow uh, ideas and, and new practices, not, not necessarily best practices because to what y'all both are speaking to, we got to have a lot of new practices, maybe new non-supply chain practices. Who knows? All right. So Jenny, let's make sure, uh, how folks know how to connect with you and SAPEX. Yeah. Thank you. We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, we've got the SAPEX company page. That's S-A-P-I-C-S. Um, and uh, and I'm also active on LinkedIn and also Twitter. I love my Twitter. I know people, some people don't, but I enjoy it. I think it's my attention span. It appeals to best of all. But Jenny Froome and you'll find me. Wonderful. Uh, and, and yes, you've got to connect with Jenny, uh, all those places, but especially Twitter. She is a great Twitter <laughs> follow. Um, okay. So uh, big thanks to Azuka Okeke with, again, with the uh, Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management. Uh, thank you so much, Azuka. Thank you very much, Scott. And thank you very much, Jenny. You bet. But don't go away just yet because we're going to talk about you as if you're not still in the room, in the Zoom room with us. Uh, Jenny, we've got just an extra minute or two before we wrap here today. Azuka shared a lot in roughly 50 minutes, right? And you know, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to run through the wall behind me based on a lot of what she shared. She's very, very inspiring. What was your favorite part from what she shared here today? So much. And as always, it's always like you feel like you've been passed by a whirlwind whenever you've had the privilege of listening to all the ideas and not just ideas. Azuka is one of those people who does actually do the doing as well um, and, and really is, a, is an example to all of us of how don't just talk, actually do and also make the noise. Um, so I think I think the making the noise, there's making a noise and there's making a constructive noise. And I think that she's got that down to a, you've got that down to a T. Um, and also, I love that comment about the clever variants and us becoming cleverer. And really, from from her work, from her lips to whoever's listening, please may that be so. 
Agreed. That, that, that was really, it's really brilliant to hear that and, and that positive spin. Oh gosh, all these variants that have come after us. Oh, um, no. But there's a new one. There's, there's an, anyway. it seems like every week, every week every there's a new week. release. It's like technology. It must just go away now, please. <laughs> they, yes, please. But I'll just add one more thing to that. There's so much there that, that make a lot of noise. That, that's a mantra folks, I think, can rally around. Um, uh, but also, I, I think it's really important out of all the things she shared. One of my favorites was uh, non-supply chain solutions, because the way I perceive mm-hmm. that, it's as we learned these last couple of years, but as we've been learning for longer beyond pandemic, we can't, we can't sit on the laurels of what has worked previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't sit on the laurels of what has ha- has worked for different parts of the world and only for certain parts of the world. We can't sit on any of that stuff. We got to constantly Keep look the in the mirror and, 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 and really question, okay, what's the ramifications? What's the repercussions? You know, uh, we can't sit on our, sit on our hands and look at the same old tired solution. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that thinking. Azuka, you're a breath of fresh air. Jenny, as always, you always are. I love these conversations with you. And uh, big thanks to Jenny Froome and Sapix. Let's do another one again soon. Next month, I guess. Right, Jenny? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. All right. Big thanks again. Jenny Froome with Sapix. Big thanks. Uh, Azuka okay, uh, KK with the Africa Resource Center for Excellence in Supply Chain Management. Folks, you heard it here. Okay. There's so much to act on with what you heard Azuka share here today. Hopefully you enjoy the conversation as much as I have. Um you know, if you like conversations like this, find us at Supply Chain Now and subscribe so you don't miss anything. But more importantly, most importantly, challenge you. Hey, be like Azuka. Do good. Give forward. But be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.